Uh, Our reading today is from Matthew and chapter 7. So we nearly uh, finished our studies on the Sermon on the Mount. This is the penultimate week. uh, And Jesus is bringing his uh, great sermon to a conclusion. So it's Matthew 7 and we're going to read from verse 12 through to verse 20. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thorn bushes? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but every diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Just just recently, uh, we purchased as a family a kayak. Uh, A few people we know and got these kayaks, uh, inflatable kayak and uh, we thought they looked good fun, so we, we purchased our own. And on Tuesday, uh, we took it out on, on the lake. And as I was getting into the kayak, I was stood on the jetty, and I put one foot in the kayak. And the kayak quickly started moving away f- from the jetty. Uh, and I realized I, I had a, a quick decision to make. <laughs> I either pull back to the jetty, or I, I go all in and just bail into the kayak. If I didn't make a quick uh, decision, it was just going to be me in, in the, straight into the water. When you get into kayak, you can't kind of do a foot in each camp, can you? There's no sitting on, on the fence. And we're, we're coming to this, the end of this great sermon that Jesus preached. Uh, and he is uh, really showing us uh, that when it comes to his words, it's impossible to sit on the fence. <laughs> it's, it's impossible. Jesus' words, uh, particularly as we move towards the close of this great sermon, are going to divide us all into two, and and only two groups. In the passage where Jesus is beginning to collect the threads of the sermon together, and he's going to press his point home. As he presses his point home, we're going to realize each one of us here this afternoon has a decision to make. What have we seen in this sermon so far? Well, Jesus has uh, described, hasn't he, the the character of the kind of person who belongs in his kingdom. We saw that the person to whom the kingdom of God belongs to is someone who is poor in spirit, who recognizes that are spiritually bankrupt, someone who's who's meek, someone who's hungry and thirsty for for righteousness, someone who's, who's mourning over their sin. That's the kind of person who belongs in God's kingdom. And Jesus spelled out what, what righteousness looks like. 
we, we've been through all of these different topics. Jesus talked about anger. He's talked about lust. He's talked about adultery, about retaliation, about forgiveness, about not judging others. It's a righteousness that, that comes from the heart, not an external righteousness that's merely just kind of outward actions. It's a righteousness that's only possible when we know Jesus. Here in this verse 12 of chapter 7, he kind of summarizes this, this righteousness in how it shows itself in our relationships to each other. This great summary of the law and the prophets. Verse 12, Jesus summarizes the ethics of his kingdom like this. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. And if you would take time this afternoon to think back through each of those topics, anger, uh, lust, adultery, retaliation, judging others. That's a great summary. Do to others what you would want them to do to you. And here he nears the, the end of his teaching and he brings us to a, a, a fork in the road, a place where the road splits in two. And he helps us to see that we, we each have a choice to make. It's, it's decision time. Through the sermon, this divide has been developing between those who belong to God's kingdom and those who don't. And at the close of this sermon, that divide is, is unmissable. It's, it's really un- uncomfortable. As Jesus presses home his, his conclusion, we have a choice to make. And Jesus wants us to choose wisely. He wants us to make the wise choice. And in this last uh, part of the sermon, enabled to help us grasp the significance of the choice that lies before us, Jesus gives us uh, four pairs of illustrations. It's a kind of four-point conclusion. (laughs) I haven't got a four-point conclusion to my sermon today. You'll be glad to know. But Jesus has a four-point conclusion, four uh, lots of, of pairs. So the first two, verses 13 and 14, are two ways. Then in verses 15 to 20, it's about two trees. And then in verses 21 to 23, we've got two foundations. Uh, And then in verses uh, 24 to 27, no, verses 21 to 23 is two claims, and verses 24 to 27 is is two foundations. So we're going to look at those first two this week, uh, the two ways and the two trees, and then next week we'll look at at the other, other two. As I said, there's a decision to be made for every one of us. There's an urgency in Jesus' words as we stand at this this fork in the road. And it's urgent because the consequences are eternal. Eternal consequences to this decision. We'll we'll make lots of decisions this week. Some will be about small things. But the decision that Jesus faces us with here is eternal, eternal consequences. Life or death. Life or or destruction. So let's look at these uh, two ways. These two ways about the path that we travel. Listen again to Jesus' words. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. It's as though we stand here with Jesus at this fork in the road and he wants us to look at these two 
paths. The first path uh, begins with a, a really wide gate. The gate is so wide that you can pass through it without even realizing that you've gone through it. And this wide gate leads to a road, and this road is kind of very easy. Think of like a, a downhill motorway. <laughs> you can go down this road again very easily, like coasting down a hill on a bike. And this, 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 this way is crowded with people, loads of people on this road. But Jesus wants us to look all the way down that road, right to the end, to see where it finishes. And that wide gate with the easy road, Jesus says that ends in destruction. And he bids us to look at the other fork in the road. This road begins with a very narrow gate. Kind of have to breathe in to squeeze through it. And then the road is rough, it's uphill, it's stony. It's the kind of road that would make you out of breath. Not many pilgrims on this road. Just a, a scattering of people. And Jesus wants us again to look down that, through that narrow gate, along that hard road. And he wants us to look to the end. And he says that's the way that leads to life. And in his infinite love and wisdom, Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate. Enter through the narrow gate. What do we learn about uh, God's kingdom from Jesus' words here? Well, we learn that the way into God's kingdom is, is narrow. We don't like that word particularly to, today. Narrow has negative connotations. Narrow-minded, we say. Jesus says the way into God's kingdom is, is narrow. In, verse, in uh, John chapter 10, Jesus describes himself as, as the door through which people enter and are saved. I think Jesus is the, the, the narrow gate. The way into the kingdom is through Jesus plus, plus nothing. Last week we uh, went walking and I was walking with a, a big uh, bag on my back. It happened to be the bag with a big kayak in. <laughs> it, was, it was very heavy and I came to a kissing gate. And uh, I went to the gate and I tried to squeeze through with this bag on my back and pushed and pushed and nearly got stuck. Uh, couldn't, couldn't make it through. The only way to get through the kissing gate was to take the bag off my back and, and then I, I, I could go through. Some people think that when it comes to getting into God's kingdom, oh yeah, maybe we need Jesus. But, but also, uh, what about good works? Perhaps if I'm... Uh, if I've done enough good things, then I, can, then I can get into the kingdom. Perhaps if I've reached a certain standard of, 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 of kind of righteousness, then I'm, I'll be able to enter the kingdom. Or some people think by, by religious activity, we, we enter God's kingdom. Going to church enough, uh, praying enough. That's the way into God's kingdom. Other people think, well, maybe I'm just sincere. If I'm just sincere... It doesn't matter what too, much, too much what I believe, as long as I, I hold those beliefs sincerely, as long as I'm true, true to myself and do what I, I think is right, then, then surely God will let me into his kingdom if I'm more authentic. But the way into God's kingdom is narrow. <laughs> it's Jesus and, and Jesus alone. We, we come into the kingdom through putting our trust and confidence in, 
in him alone. If we try to place our confidence elsewhere, it's like me trying to get through the gate with the, the big bag on my back. <laughs> I, I can't get through. The way into the kingdom is narrow. It's through Christ and Christ alone. We also uh, learn about God's kingdom that the way on in God's kingdom is, is hard. <laughs> the narrow gate leads to the, the hard path. I wonder uh, what your expect, expectation is of life as a Christian. What's your expectation of what it's like to live it, it, as part of God's kingdom in this world? Maybe you're here and you're not yet a Christian. You don't know Jesus. I wonder what you think about what it would be like to be a Christian. Expectations are important, aren't they? <laughs> if we have the expectation that everything is going to be easy, well, when it gets hard, we'll just throw in the towel. But Jesus is not hiding any small print here. He says the way is hard. It's not going to be a stroll in the park or like a, a lovely day at the beach. The gate is narrow and the way is, is hard. That doesn't sound like a great advertisement, does it? <laughs> but life in God's kingdom. But Jesus isn't some advertiser trying to flog a product. He's a, he's a speaker of the truth. The gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads life elsewhere in the, the bible jesus talks about discipleship or the path of discipleship as, as one where we must deny ourselves we take up our cross and we we follow him and if we are going to as god's people live out what we've heard from the sermon on the mount that's what it's going to entail it's going to entail self-denial as i said earlier living out the sermon on the mount is an impossibility left to our own devices but we, we have god's spirit within us but it's still going to be hard. <laughs> Self-denial is, is hard. Think about some of these things that we've, we've looked at in, in the sermon. We've talked about how we deal with our anger. We've talked about making reconciliation. We've talked about forgiveness, about putting to death our, our lustful desires. We've talked about loving those who, who hate us. That's hard. The way is hard. I think there are two assumptions or two myths that we are in danger of buying into when it comes to deciding which path to take. So as we stand at the, the fork in the road and we, we see the, the wide gate, the easy way, the narrow gate, the hard way, I think there's some assumptions that are just unhelpful. The first assumption is that the best way is the, the easiest way. <laughs> Often we like rivers, aren't we? We kind of like to take the path of, of least resistance. Have an addiction to ease. Think about how much innovation in human history has been about making life easier. Think about some of the things you've purchased in the last year. How many of those things that you've purchased have been about making your life easier? More comfortable, more convenient, less difficult. And all of that conditions us to think that if following Jesus is the best way, It'll be the easy way. Like a, a torpedo, Jesus' words just sink that idea, don't they? Because the best way is the, the hard way. 
Jesus says the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. If our, if our default is to always take the easy way, we, we're going to find ourselves walking that easy road, heading to, heading to destruction. Sometimes we think, don't we, maybe there's some middle way where we can take a kind of Jesus light, the hard way light. Uh, you know, we can uh, take some of Jesus' commands, the ones that are maybe easiest, and just, just stick with those, and the ones that are, are harder, just uh, put those to one side. But that's not possible. Jesus says the way is hard that leads to life. Here's the, the, the second uh, faulty assumption. The first one was that the easy way is the best way. The second faulty assumption is that the popular way is the right way. The popular way is the right way. At the holiday club that we had a couple of weeks ago, we were playing a, a game with the kids. It was a kind of quiz, uh, and the, the kids had four options. The question was put out there, four answers that they could pick. And, and each answer was like one corner. If you think it's that answer, then go to that corner, that corner, that corner. And they'd ask the question. And there was always some kids that would set off towards one corner. And then they'd realize that they were in the minority and everyone was just going that way. And so they would kind of change direction and go to the corner that everyone else was, was going to. Because they thought, obviously, that the right answer must be the, the popular answer. It's the kind of uh, follow, the, follow the crowd. We sometimes do the same thing as adults, don't we? We think the right way will be the popular way. Surely uh, all the people that are doing, uh, going down the, the, through the wide gate and down the easy road, surely they can't all be wrong. Sometimes the weight of the opinions of the crowd can be be stifling. Yet Jesus' words are just they're chilling, aren't they? For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. The popular choice when it comes to choosing the path that we travel is not the, the right choice. As I read these uh, words, of Jesus, I, I thought about uh, the Old Testament account of Daniel. Uh, it wasn't Daniel, it was his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They've been taken into Babylon. And the king, the great king Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, he's, he's given the, the instruction that a great idol, an image, be made. And when the music played, everyone was to bow down and worship the image. In Babylon, when the music played, there was an easy way and there was a hard way. The easy way when the music played was just to hit the deck like everyone else. That was the popular way. The hard way was to remain standing. Uh, only three, three, three men remained standing, Daniel, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and, and Abednego. But that was the path of, of life. How did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego remained standing in Babylon? Well, they knew that they were children of God's kingdom. <laughs> they knew that Nebuchadnezzar wasn't king. They knew that, that God was king. And so they took the, the hard way. They knew that their life was in God's hands. In a, in a week or, or so, 
uh, some of our younger ones are going to be returning to school and college. Maybe it's going to be at a new school or a, or a new college. And there are going to be times when you're going to feel like you're stood at a fork in the road. <laughs> and there's going to be one way that's kind of easy and popular. <laughs> and there's going to be another way that is hard and possibly lonely. Even for the grown-ups as well. We're going to face decisions like that in the workplace, in our families. What is it that's going to keep us going along the hard way? It's the sure conviction that this is the path to life. It's because we believe the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think Jesus' words as well help us understand why being part of a church is, is so important. Jesus says that those who are traveling along the narrow way are, are few. They're few, but those on the narrow way, they're not alone. <laughs> I don't know if you've read the, the, the great book, Pilgrim's Progress. If you've not read that book, it's a fantastic uh, book. I recommend that you read it. But Pilgrim has, has set off from the city of destruction. He's going to the celestial city. And along the way, he has just a couple of traveling companions. One's called uh, Faithful. The other's called Hopeful. And there are times along the way that they keep each other going. Sometimes one wants to turn back, but the other one keeps them heading along the, the, the hard way. Sometimes they, they veer off. And then they help each other get back on track. It's so essential to be... To be uh, invested in a, in a church family where we can help each other along the narrow way. So there's a decision for us to make. We stand at the, the fork in the road. Do we take the, the narrow gate to the hard way or do we take the easy way? Which, uh, which way have you taken? Maybe, uh, maybe you're thinking, oh, well, I've been a Christian a long time. This was the decision that I made ooh, decades ago. I nailed that decision down. Often in the New Testament, I find that uh, the emphasis uh, for living as a Christian isn't what's happened in the past. It's what's happening in, in the present. So there's a choice to be made. Do we take the, the, the hard way or the easy way? So that's the first pair that's about the path that we take. The second pair is about these two trees, verses 15 to 20. And this is about the people that we, we choose to listen to. And there's a link, isn't there, between those two. Often it's the people that we choose to listen to that direct uh, the path that we choose to take. And Jesus begins, verse 15, with a warning. Beware of, of false prophets. What's a false prophet? A prophet is someone who, who speaks on God's behalf and speaks God's word. A false prophet is someone who, who claims to speak on God's behalf uh, but doesn't. And Jesus gives this warning, beware of false prophets, not because there might be false prophets, but because there are false prophets. If, if you, even just a kind of quick uh, a cursory reading of the New Testament, you'll see that false prophets and false teachers are all over the New Testament. That's what it was like in the first century, and that's what it's like in the 21st century as well. 
In Acts 20, Paul is on a, on a beach. He's on a beach, not, not because he's on a holiday, but because he, he has a ship to board. And he's about to go off on his missionary travels. And he stood on the beach and he, he stood there with the, the elders of the Ephesian church. And just listen to what he says to them. He says, keep a watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the Lord of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. And he goes on to say, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in from among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and they'll distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Like I said, that's what it was like in the first century. That's what it's like in the 21st century. False teachers abound. How do we spot a false teacher? In some senses, spotting a false teacher isn't, really isn't easy. You don't come with a, a kind of stamp across the, f- the forehead, false prophet. They don't look mean and nasty. False prophets have Bibles. They wear big smiles. They wear the suit and tie. False prophets may be very nice, upright people. How do we spot a false teacher? Listen to Jesus. Jesus says, beware the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but are inwardly ravenous wolves. If we just look at the outside, we're not really going to see it. They're kind of in camouflage. Outwardly, they look like gentle sheep. Inwardly, they're ravenous wolf. They don't advertise themselves. But in some senses, spotting a false teacher is, is easy. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 16. You will recognize them by their fruits. It may take a little while, but eventually the fruit will become obvious. If you were to move into a new house and in the garden there's some trees, uh, and you think, I'm pretty sure they're, they're fruit trees. I'm not sure what kind of fruits they are. Maybe have a guess. I think that looks like an apple tree, or maybe that's a plum tree. Well, there's a time, isn't there, when all the guessing stops because the fruit comes out, the plums are there, the apples are there. You know exactly what kind of tree it is. And that's the reasoning Jesus uses here in verses 16 onwards. He says, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Obviously not. Uh, So every healthy tree that bears good fruit, so every healthy tree bears good fruit, but every diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit or a diseased tree cannot bear good fruit. Because on say thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. You can't argue with Jesus' logic there, can you, in those, in those verses? Good tree, good fruit. Bad tree, bad fruit. And did you hear what happens to the, the bad trees? Well, they're thrown into, the, thrown into the fire. It's the destruction that Jesus already talked about in verse uh, 13. What does Jesus mean by recognizing them by their fruit? recognizing false teachers by their fruit well first of all i think when he's talking about fruit he's talking about the content of of the teaching it's reminding us that we must listen very carefully to their teaching that's what we've got to do if we're going to take jesus warning seriously beware of the false prophets we've got to listen really carefully to the teaching 
As a Christian, it's not good enough simply to trust the person speaking at the front and take their word for it. We need to know whether what the preacher, the teacher is saying is true. That's why each week I encourage you, you know, if you've got your Bible, it'd be great to open it. (laughs) If you've not got your Bible, it'd be good to get one and bring it it along. Because it's not enough just to, to take the preacher's word for it. We need to see it ourselves. This, this, this is the, the, the standard. This is what everything is, is measured against. It's important for us to do as individuals, isn't it? To, uh, to listen carefully to the, the teaching and measure it against the scriptures. It's also a really important thing for us to do as a, a church, as a, as a whole. It's disastrous when a church fails to spot false teachers and they're given a platform. It's a disaster for a church. In Galatians, uh, Paul writes to the church there because that's exactly what had happened. He says this to the church in Galatia. But if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be be under God's curse. Paul's saying to the church in Galatia, even if, even if I, the Apostle Paul, pitch up and preach a different message to the one you first heard, I shall be cursed. Because it's, it's not about the messenger, it's about, it's about the message. And if we're going to uh, spot false teachers, we've got to listen carefully to the message. Is it in line with the scriptures? Is it is it balanced? Is it centered on the, the good news of Jesus? I think when Jesus says, well, you recognize them by their fruit, he's not just saying, listen to their teaching. He's also saying, look, look at their life. Look at their life. This fruit is the, is the character of, of the teacher. If you want to spot a false teacher, it will become obvious in their, in their character. Is the gospel having an impact on the, the preacher? Is the, is the preacher practicing what he, he preaches? That's a challenge for me uh, standing here. No teachers are perfect, but, but the, the gospel should be having an impact on the life of the, the teacher. If someone teaches one thing, but their life proclaims another, beware. By their fruit you shall know them, Jesus says. This is why when Paul writes to Timothy about the qualifications for elders and those who teach in the church, a lot of those qualifications are not about ability. They're about character. By your fruit, by their fruit you shall know them. I was thinking about how to apply this. I think this gives us a challenge, doesn't it, in in the, the age we live in, in the internet age. I'm sure lots of us here like to listen to, to preaching online, found that helpful and, and beneficial. But there's a caution that we should take when we do that. Because often we're listening to people that we, we don't, really don't know. And Jesus says, by your fruit, by their fruit you, sh- you shall know them. I'm not saying we shouldn't ever listen to people online, people we don't, don't know. Sometimes that teaching can be helpful. But I think extra caution is... Is, is required. 
So the question is uh, for us this afternoon, who, who are we giving our ears to? Who are we listening to? Who are we allowing to shape our desires, our outlook on life, our direction in life? False, false teachers abound. So Jesus gives us this warning. As we've uh, gone through the Sermon on, on the Mount, I've just been amazed how, how Jesus embodies his own sermon. <laughs> it's been a, a delight to me to think about each chunk that we've looked at, how Jesus just em- embodies this. And when we think about Jesus' life, and we think about a teacher bearing good fruit, <laughs> we can be absolutely sure with the Lord Jesus, can't we? The content of his teaching He's the very word of God. His life, completely holy, without fault. I wonder, are you allowing this, this greatest of teachers, this perfect teacher, this teacher who, who only ever bore good fruit, are you allowing his words to shape your life? There's two questions there for us to think about. Decisions. Which path are we going to take? The easy, wide road that leads to destruction or the narrow, hard road that leads to life? And who are we giving our, our ears to? Let's, let's pray together. Dear Lord God, we thank you so much for these words that we've been able to think about. Lord, we ask that uh, in your mercy you would bring them to bear on our hearts. Lord, we pray for each one of us that you would help us to see that we must decide. Lord, we need your word so much. We pray that in the coming week you would help us to continue to think about what you have said to us this morning. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.